Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Scott Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Give a big hand clap to those that are watching on podcast, vidcast. Come on, give them a big hand clap for allowing us to join them today. Wherever you're at, and on pray.com, all 30,000 plus of y'all watching out there. Don't forget about our daily Bible study called Wake Up, Monday through Friday. We start your day with a scripture for your day, pray over your day. Me and my brother have a whole lot of fun with you. And uh, it's the number one daily Bible study. It's a great way to kind of get things started. And we're in our series of putting joy up ahead of you. Our last series is about being happy no matter what. That Paul gave us the recipe to be happy in the good times and in the bad times. But you know, what's better than finding a way to be happy in the bad times is not having bad times. Got to get an amen anywhere out there. Right? In this series, we're, we're discovering how do I create a future where it's impossible to be unhappy, where it's impossible to be depressed, that I can live a life of putting joy up ahead of me, right? And what I have to do, though, is I have to follow Romans 8. Romans 8 talks about that, that if I live according to the world's principles, if I get my relationship advice from the Kardashians, if I'm watching The View and trying to figure out how to live my day, what I'm doing is I'm living to the flesh, and the flesh brings destruction to my future, puts pain up there. But if I live according to the Spirit, then I do things differently, exactly the opposite of the world. And what happens is I begin to do things the way God says to do things. I put joy up ahead of me. Jesus went to the cross for the joy set ahead. He said, hey, I'm going to have some pain here, but I have eternity of joy up ahead. And doing things God's way, how many people know, there's a little bit of pain here, but it's a lot of joy there. But the world's way is a little bit of joy and a whole lot of pain up ahead of us. My brother and my dad love desserts. Just, they are. I didn't get that in my DNA. I love soda. They live for desserts. Name any restaurant anywhere, and the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, you have to try, and it's always some sort of dessert. It could be a high-end restaurant. It could be Arby's. They have, like, it doesn't matter. They, they love their desserts. So I was out with my mom and dad, and uh, we had lunch, and now the waitress comes over at the end and says, hey, what would you like for dessert? And so we both look at my dad. And he goes, no, no, thank you. I'm good. And at that moment, I didn't know if heaven, like if this is Revelations 12, Jesus coming back today. I've never seen this in 54 years of my life. My dad said no to dessert. And I go, what's going on? Are we all right? Mom goes, you know, right now when your dad eats desserts, his legs get excruciating pain in them. So he's not doing desserts right now. The next week we go up on our, our, our men's fishing trip up to Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, in, in downtown Winter, Wisconsin, is the Winter Cafe. And in this cafe has a vanilla pudding pie, homemade, with graham cracker crust and meringue topping that my dad has been eating for 70 years of his life. You have to order it, and it takes two days to get. So we always order it on Monday, we get it on Wednesday. So we get the pies on Wednesday, two amazing pies. We get home, have dinner, pull out one of the pies, and all ten of us begin to eat except for my dad. He just watches patiently. No pie for him. We all eat, and it was great. And we play some games, and we go to bed. I get up to get a glass of water, and as I enter into the kitchen, the lights are off, and I notice my dad hunched over. <laughs> and he is going to town on this pie. 80% of it is gone at this time. And I go, Dad! And he looks at me. He's got moraine in his face. He goes, what? I go, what are you doing? He's like, I'm eating pie. I go, your legs! He goes, they're in so much pain. And then he finished it off. 
How many people know? That's what the world's way is. Let me, let me have a little bit of joy now, but a whole lot of pain up ahead. And we have to do things opposite and go, no, the, the joy now isn't worth the pain ahead. I have to live a life doing things opposite. And when I have a little bit of pain here, I get a whole lot of joy up ahead of me. Come on, somebody out there. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Today I'm going to talk to you about what I would say would be one of the most powerful weapons we have at our disposal of putting victory and putting joy up ahead of us. And it's totally backwards, right? And I've been saying that this whole series, that the, the God system is backwards from the world's. Why is that? Because the devil is trying to take your joy away, so he has developed a culture and a system designed to just do that. And God's system is the opposite. God, right? The world says, hey, if somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. If they say something mean, say something mean back. If they stab you in the back, you stab them. Right? That's the world's way. But God goes, no, if somebody does something mean, you do something nice. If they're rude, he says, give them a kind word. He says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That I let other people go up ahead and God will find a way to elevate my life. He says, don't take the high seat. Instead, give somebody else the best seat. Take the worst seat and God will elevate you into the best seat. It's a backward system. Right? But the backward system is the kingdom system, and that's the system that seems to bring all of God's best in our lives. And so what I tell you today is what the world does at the end of a victory, but it's what God tells us to do to ensure our victory. It's what I do before the battle. Right? We, we all have big battles in our lives. You might be in one now. You might have some little battles. We almost always have some sort of battle going on in, in our life. And this is what you do in the midst of an impossible battle. This is what you do when it looks like there's no way. This is what you do even in the little battles and you're like, hey, I want to come through this thing and I want to have victory. This is what I do before the battle begins, during the battle, and at the end, it's what ensured the victory in my future. Things do things backwards. You know, a godly marriage is a backwards marriage. You do things differently than the world does them. You do things the opposite. Me and Holly do a lot. Me and Holly are opposite in so many ways. It's fun to watch how God put us together, right? Her, 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 my weaknesses are her strengths. And she has all the strengths, and I have a lot of weaknesses. And it just works out amazing how that all works out, how God had that work out in our life. I grew up in pretty extreme lack and, and extreme poverty, and I carry a lot of those fears and stuff into the, into the marriage, you know, because we had lack. We had, like, we grew up running out of stuff all of the time. And I love it with my kids now, like, they open the fridge and they go, there's nothing to eat, right? And I'm like, you don't know what that looks like. Because when me and Jason would open up the fridge and we'd look in there and there's nothing to eat, that's because all there was was some moldy cheese and some stale old tortillas. And that was all that was in the refrigerator. There was nothing. There were some taco packets from Taco Bell and some ketchup packets. But that was it, right? And we just take the, mold, the cheese, you scrape the mold off. Oh, that's good cheese. You take the tortillas, right, that are stale and hard. You put them in the microwave with a wet uh, paper towel in there. Microwave that for seven seconds. They come out soft, good as new for 12 seconds. And then they turn into something so hard. It's like titanium. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? You created something brand new that isn't never been on this earth, right? And so you got that long to, to eat, right? And we, we grew up, we always ran out of stuff, except for I thought about condiments, right? We'd be like, Dad, I'm out of ketchup. He would grab that ketchup and he would come back. Anybody remember this day? Be shaking it, right? And you're like, oh, it's, I got a half a bottle of ketchup now. Jesus turns water into wine. My dad can turn water into ketchup, amen? <laughs> 
I was in my 30s before I realized ketchup was supposed to be thick. And I'm like, no, it's supposed, honey, no, you don't know ketchup. This is not good ketchup. Ketchup's supposed to run out of the bottle. It just comes all over the place, right? Same thing for shampoo. I don't think my dad ever bought shampoo. Right, a shampoo, he'd come back like that, and you're like, oh, right? And then, you know, you, half the bottle, right? Because it's all just water in the shampoo. And we grow up with lack. And so whenever we run out of stuff, right? I hate running out of things. So I like to buy the big oversized stuff, and Holly likes to buy the little bitty stuff, right? And so this has been our, our battle for 30 years, right? But I'm the head of the house, right? And so I, as the man, so we buy all the little stuff, right? It's so stupid, right? We just run it, right? The little three servings of ketchup. I like to buy the bit, you know, this is one year worth of ketchup. And uh, I, so if I bring stuff that's oversized, it can be a little bit of a battle. Like, we get, like she gets anno- greatly annoyed when I buy, buy bakes. So one time she sent me to the store to get pudding. And when I went there, it was because he- I've never seen it before. I've never seen it after. It's like heaven was smiling at me. They had this vanilla pudding. I'm not lying to you. It was this big. It was like serving size 107 people. It was massive. And so it was 1995, best $20 I ever spent in my life. I grabbed that pudding, I put it in a little bag as I came home, and you got to act like, like it's no big deal. So I just act like, so I come in, and she's there in the kitchen, I go, oh, there's your pudding, honey, and I just walk away. She goes, what in the world is that? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, they didn't have the big one, I just got you the little one. Best $20 ever. Right? We, and I hate, so if we run out of stuff, I get crazy. Right? We ran out of cereal, and so I'm mad, and I'm angry, so I got to go up to the store, and I bought 12 boxes of cereal, because I ain't going to run out of cereal. cereal. Cereal never goes back. You can keep it for 100 years. Right? And so, yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm a, no, you don't tell me we're going to have no cereal. I'm going to have a bunch of cereal. Right? Because I'm the man. I have no fear. I come in the house, I put one box in the pantry, and I hide the other 11 in the garage. Amen? <laughs> when I run out, I just go get more cereal. It always seems to just, I have an endless supply of cereal. So we're having dinner, and it's pot roast, and there's no potatoes. How do you run out of potatoes is my question, right? Potatoes last forever, right? You can take it, and you just leave them in your pantry, and they grow more potatoes, amen? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You leave a potato there, and in a year, you got six potatoes. It's God's amazing way. And so I was so annoyed we ran out of potatoes. I went to the store. I grabbed four potatoes for that night, and then I grabbed two of the big bags of potatoes, right? And so then I snuck those bags into the pantry, and I hid them in the pantry, right? Because I'm not going to run out of potatoes again. The next day, me and Jason go to a pastor's conference, and, and uh, so we're up there, and it's like lunchtime, so we're outside. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and Holly, I answer, it's Holly, and she goes, why in the world would you buy two bags of potatoes, right? And so I'm like, oh no, she found my potatoes, right? <laughs> but it's all right, because I, and I think God just downloaded it. I think this was an answer from God, because all of a sudden it just came to me, and I go, honey, here's the thing. Savvy was in, in kindergarten at the time, and she was in the same kindergarten class as Logan, her cousin, right? And so Holly and Kelly, they had the kids in there, and so I went, you know what? Oh my God, I forgot to tell you. Last Friday, when I picked Savvy up from school, the teacher came out and asked us to bring two bags of potatoes to school tomorrow, Friday. They, they wanted us to bring two bags of potatoes. She's like, really? I go, I know, right? So I said, yeah, we'll do it, because we're helpful people. And so as a great husband, I went and got you the two bags of potatoes so you don't have to. And then I go, and Jason was right there, so I thought I'd bring him into the fun. And I go, you know, and the teacher asked if Kelly could bring two bags of potatoes also. She goes, really? I go, yes. And so hang up the phone. One minute later, Jason gets a phone call, and he's like, and so what's funny is Jason's better at this than I am. He goes, yeah, honey, you need to get two bags of potatoes. They're doing a science experiment. You know how they do potatoes and electricity? All the other kids are bringing the wire. The Andersons are bringing the potatoes. And then he got off the phone, and then we laugh. And so, 
But to me, it was even funnier because at least I had gotten Hollywood potatoes. Kelly had to take her, all of her kids down to the store that night, buy two bags of potatoes. Then both of them in the morning, instead of being able to just drop the kids off, they had to park across the street, walk through the campus, put two bags of potatoes as everybody looked at them, all the way to the portables, knock on the door. This is my favorite ever because the teacher opens, right? And, and the teacher, you know, 37 years, she's never seen a parent show up with two bags of potatoes in her entire history. And she looked at Holly. She goes, good morning. Holly goes, good morning, you know, with a big, amazing smile. She says, good morning. And Holly goes, what do you want me to do with them? And the lady goes, with what? And now Holly, you could tell she's annoyed she had to bring potatoes already, right? What kind of teacher asked you to bring two bags of potatoes? What time, the, and so she goes, the potatoes, you know, with that, that kind of, the, with the potatoes, of course. And the lady goes, why would I want your potatoes? <laughs> Which Holly is so protective of me, because it just goes, she goes, you asked my husband to bring two bags of potatoes. Where would you like me to put them? And the teacher goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, how many people know I didn't put joy into my future? Come on, somebody out there. There was no joy for me and Jason in the potatoes. But we do things backwards. And God does things backwards also. And so we have to learn to do things backwards. We'll see here in 2 Chronicles 20. They're about, Israel's going to go to a battle that they're, they're not going to win. On paper, the army that they're going against is a gajillion times bigger. There is no way they can win that. And so as he's meeting, the, you know, the, the leader is meeting with his men. Here we go with doing things so different. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord, to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Are you telling me that God's plan was to send the praise team up in front of the people with the swords and the shields and the armor. This is God's plan is a different way. And wouldn't you know that the praisers went ahead and the entire army all fell apart and they won that battle. And it wasn't by their hand, it was by the praising of God's hand. How many people know, come on somebody, the world wants to praise at the victory. Our praises bring the victory. Our praises begin to bring to us everything that we need for victory. I was thinking, like in today's age, like if I was running the SWAT, right, and we're going into the drug cartel, and I grab my team around me, we're going in right now, I'm like, here's the thing, oh, put your guns down, we're not going to need that, we got something more powerful today than guns and weapons, all right, over there in those crates, all right, pop that open, all right, Bubba Tiny, I want you two on a tambourine today, you're going to just shake that tambourine, it's going to be crazy when you go in, just make that thing go, all right, uh, Alan Sal, you guys are going to be on the loot, I want you just to really jam that loot when you go in there, it's important that we're loud, all right, the rest of you, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, we need, we, we, we need Hubba, Hubba over here, you're going to see that flag with the pole, it's long, I want you to dance with that thing. I want you really to work that flag as we're going in, right? We're, gonna, we're really going to confuse them. All right, the rest of you, we're going we're gonna to be seeing how this is how we do our battle, right? This is our song we're going. Can you imagine doing that in today, sending the praise team up ahead? But God does things different, right? He says, no, 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 your praises is what's going to attract the victory in your life. So as I begin to praise God in the high times and the low times, anybody can praise God in the high times, but God goes, no, I need you to praise, right? The Bible says I need you to praise when things are not going good, when things are not going right, when things look impossible, look like there's this certain defeat that I'm still praising God. Paul and Silas are in prison. They are going to die tomorrow. That's the plan. There's no appeals back then. There's no, right? This is what's going to happen. You are going to get executed tomorrow. There's no hope. 
Are they sitting in this hopeless environment with no, no, with no chance of anything, complaining, as sometimes maybe we do, well, I've done, we've all have done, when things are just hopeless and it looks like, like certain defeat, and God, are you kidding me? I give my life to build your house. I serve, I'm an usher, I'm a greeter, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, and I really have to go through this. I've gone through a layoff, really. I have to have no job now in this season. What are we going to do with home? Or, or we just had the major breakup. Or, you know, this is, right, I give my life to that. And we find ourselves in this moment, do we complain, or are we like Paul and Silas, who here we see in Acts, throw that scripture up for me, Acts 16, 25. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing praises to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Here's what you do not know. The people around you that are not saved are listening to what you say. They're listening to your words at the office. Your children are listening to your words. And are your words that my God is a come through God. That my God can help us overcome this. That my God is always with us no matter what. And God is making a way where they're... Is that what they hear from you? Or do they just hear more complaining about the problem? Their prisoners are listening. They're like, this is different. Who sings praises to God in the prison? And then all of a sudden, we see the, the, such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. And I know in times it feels like we're shackled, and it feels like I'm bound up, and it feels like I can go nowhere. But how many people know that the praising God is what's going to set you free from those limitations in your life? It's what's going to keep you from being held back. Your marriage feels like it's been shackled and has been going nowhere for years. But if the two of you will begin to praise God for what God has brought to you and what God is bringing to you in your future, you will find that shackles begin to fall off in your relationship. Things begin to change. Come on, somebody out there. Come on. We got to be a church. We have to be a church that praises God. See, the world praises because they got a victory. We know that victory responds to our praise. That victory has no choice but to come forth when we praise God. That praising God is what attracts everything that I need to have victory in my life. You know, in Ephesians, throw the scripture up here. I love this scripture in Ephesians. Or Hebrews, I'm sorry, Hebrews 13. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually. I love that, continually. Like all the time. Offer to God a sacrifice. How many people know it's a sacrifice to praise God sometimes? Come on, some of you walked into this church today and things are not going as good as they should be in your life. And it was a sacrifice to praise. He's like, all the time, come on, we sacrifice a praise to God. It's a fruit out of our lips. Arguably one of the most successful people, at least in the top ten successful people, men of all times, would be David. I mean, you think about David's life. He started at the bottom of the bottom. He's a shepherd boy. How in the world do you become king? How in the world does a whole nation trying to kill you, and yet you go from victory to victory to victory? How do you take on Goliath? How is your life of doing the impossible all of the time possible? How does that happen? Read the book of Psalms. You know exactly what I'm talking about. David was a praiser. David praised God all the time. Even you see it, where he's like, the enemies are in my north, south, and east, west. they're all around. They're enclosing on me. There is no hope, but my hope is in God. God, you've been with me before, and I know you'll be with me now. I know that you are my shield. I know that you are my buckler. I know that you are my victory. And you'll find all throughout the book that David lives in a state 
of praising. We see her in uh, Chronicles, First Chronicles uh, 16 here. And you can read the whole, the whole chapter is amazing. As David is just talking about, he's teaching, this is how you praise God. Right? I don't have time for the whole chapter, but we'll read some of it. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations. So make known in your office. Make known at the Filibertos. Make it known wherever you go what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. Come on, continually. This is what God has done. This is what God is doing. I am constantly telling people, I said, God's too good to me. And they look at me. I'm like, yeah, God did that. I, I'm constantly letting, kick that scripture up there for me, please. Right? Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Lord, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember, what is David saying? He keeps saying, remember the wonders he has done. Remember the miracles. It's all about looking back and seeing what God has done. Me and Holly were out. We went paddleboarding up on Friday. And, and we we're meeting in this little cafe just talking. And, and she, she, I was telling her about what I'm talking about this weekend. And it just came out of her. She's talking about David. It was epic. I'm like, I got to put that in. And, and, and David, had, had just, he's king. And he, he's got the Ark of the Covenant, right? And he's bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents peace. It's Zion, right? Up ahead is peace. For all of us out there, up ahead of us is the joy I'm talking about. It's the peace up ahead. Taking the ark, which is God with us, right? We take God when we get saved. He goes with us. And he's on this journey of going to peace up ahead. And David does this thing where every six steps, they have to stop, they have to pause, they have to sacrifice, and they have to praise. And when she told me that, I go, that's obnoxious. No, that's literally, is, is, like my, my, I have a mathematical mind. I go, you know how long it would take you to get anywhere? That's the most obnoxious thing. If I was just trying to get to Brown Road today with a group of you, and I said, hey, every six steps we're going to stop, give God a whole bunch of praise, and then we're going to do, right? You're like, well, and my steps are not great big steps anyway. Five, right? We get here. I'm like, all right, guys, we've got to pause, and now we've got to praise God. You're like, yeah, yeah, praise God. All right, here we go. And then you're like, uh, uh, all right, guys, we've got to pause, right? You're like, this is going to take forever just to get somewhere. But what is David doing? He's teaching the nation in an obnoxious way the power of praise. He's teaching them that here's what I need you to do as a nation. If we're going to be successful, we have to take time to praise God all throughout the day. It's got to be an obnoxious amount of time. It's, it's, uh, we have to pause. And I want to challenge Living Word Bible Church and everybody underneath the sound of my voice today. What if we took September and we said it's going to be a noxious month of praise? That every six steps, in a sense, we're going to get it so in our heart the power that praise has that I don't go from here to there without taking a pause to give God some praise. And as I am doing that, I begin to, in every pause, I'm moving victory closer to me. In every pause, I'm bringing the walls down. In every pause, I'm bringing the blessings toward my life. Every pause is restoring relationships. Every pause is a promotion. Every pause is a new job. Every pause is something great. Every pause is a restoration in America. Every pause. You know, in 2008, when me and Holly lost everything uh, in the real estate debacle, like it was down. It was a down time. 
I mean, we had to, for the first time, lost our house. We had to go move in with my parents. First time we were married, I had to go live with my parents for a, a, a season while trying to find a place. And that first day, I was feeling down. I was feeling defeated. I had lost everything. Really, I could move in with my parents? I'm 40 years old. Really, this is where I am in my life? And what did I do? I made a decision that that day, starting that day, that every morning I would start my morning off with praise. Every morning, first thing I did is I would put the praise on and I would just praise God in the middle of my defeat, in the middle of my discouragement, in the middle when everything was horrible, in the middle of everything been stolen from me. And would you know, in a fast amount of time, everything that was stolen came back to our family. Come on, somebody. We, got, we, we went, from, we went from, from nothing to everything. And I believe that it was that praise that brought the victory. Every six steps this, this month. Every six steps. You get up tomorrow morning, and the first thing you do is you go, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice, and I will be glad. And you get down into the kitchen. Praise you, God, for look at this bountiful thing that you have blessed my heart. Lord, oh, you gave me this apartment, Lord. I was searching, and you opened up the door. I forgot how blessed I was to get this place. You go out to your 20-year-old car, your Nissan Sentra. God, I remember the miracle when you got me this car started it started praise the lord you started that car that car shouldn't start i know that it's the hand of god that makes that thing move you get into traffic praise god for the moment i have to watch them wake up lord you get to the job that yesterday you hated or on friday you hated and now you're like thank you god i remember praying for this job i remember that there was other eight other applicants for this and your hand moved to get me this job right here thank you god for the wonders you have done and the wonders you are doing thank you god for the favor i've had and the favor that i'm going to have and in every meeting you go to lunch of course taco bell thank you god for the nacho bel grande lord you are the god of the bel grande <coughs> you go home six steps Family, look at this family, Lord, that you can, that wife, that, that husband, that spouse. Lord, that, what a treasure. You know, what a marriage, I'm going to tell you, the best marriage conference you get is right now. What if you start, stop telling everyone what's wrong with them and you started praising God for what God gave to you? I'm telling you, that would change that marriage in an instant. You begin to praise God, and maybe you're single. Praise God for what God is bringing up ahead of you, for the toxicity that you got out of, the things that are behind. You never, right? And the season you are in now, I'm going to rejoice in this season, and I rejoice in the season that you are bringing me. And I go to bed rejoicing, God, thank you for another great day. Thank you, God, that the rest of 2023 is going to be my best. Thank you, Lord, that you already put your hand on 2024. Come on, somebody. We begin to six steps of praise. Six steps, pause and praise. Six steps, I pause and praise. I praise you, God, for the blessings. I praise you, God, for my job. I praise you, God, for the friendship. I thank you, God, for my parents. You begin <coughs> to pause and you praise. And I'm, not t I'm telling you this. That victory will always respond to your praise. Has no choice. It is the result of our praise. Do six steps. Be, be obnoxious with it. Be obnoxious for the month of September. Where everything you do, you find a way to give God glory. I don't care if they got taco sauce at the Taco Bell. Praise the Lord. Do a hallelujah. Dance around the place. Woo, Lord. My chalupa is hot today. Oh, what a day this is. You praise God because the boss gives you something to do. Oh, I have a job. You praise God for every little thing. 
live a life of obnoxious praise, and you tell me if October is not a month of breakthrough. You tell me that, oh, come on somebody, that 23, that some walls came down that were impossible. Well, Lord, the doctor gave me this report. Praise God for the 99% of my body that's doing great. And I praise God that you are healing my body in the meantime. I praise God that this body is healthy and whole and will go 120 years. I praise God. I praise God for what you have done and what you're doing. If you're here and you're watching today online and you are blessed, I encourage you to be a giver. There's many ways to give. You know, you know, you can watch for free. You can be here for free forever. This is the only place probably in the world that you can come for free. But a giving life is a blessed life. We seem to tap into that supernatural, right? It's so weird because, once again, God does things backwards. Giving, you end up with more. You're like, well, that's backwards. It doesn't make sense. If I have 10 and I give you one, I have nine. That's less than 10. And God goes, yeah, nine's more than 10. You go, how? Because the same God that created heaven and earth says nine is more than ten because he'll bless whatever you put your hands to and he'll protect your stuff. I'm just giving you just what the Bible says. It's backwards. Yes, I know. It's backwards to love your enemies. It's, ba it's all backwards. Because it's a backwards kingdom. But it worked in my life. It's always worked. Right? How do you praise before you have a victory? Because it's backwards. That's how you do things. Everything God tells us to do is backwards. But it always seems to be a better life. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once again, it's backwards. Even religion gets it backwards, right? Religion says, well, you got to try, you have to live perfectly to get to heaven. God goes, no, 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 nobody, nobody can make it to heaven that way. We proved that in the Old Testament. You can't, it can't be done. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, that no man can enter into heaven through their works. I can meet with anybody in 30 seconds and I can show you how nobody makes it to heaven if it's works. No, it's whosoever believes. You believe in Jesus. You're going to heaven. Jesus died on the cross, raised from the dead. You're going to heaven. That's a done deal. Now, if you want to have heaven on earth, make better choices, better decisions, live by God's principles, be in church. That's how you have heaven on earth. But to get to heaven is a prayer and a belief. We're going to say a prayer out loud. Believe it with us. Believe Jesus died on the cross. You're going to heaven. That's a done deal. I know you're going to mess up this week. I'll mess up. We all mess up this week, right? But guess what? You're still going to heaven. Everybody say this out loud with me so nobody's embarrassed. Dearly Father, I ask you right now, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins and raised from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Living Word Virtual Church Community. Each week, we come together during the live stream, chatting with each other through live comment sections. Then, during the week, our virtual church community reconnects in online share groups to discuss the weekend service and study the Word. To sign up, visit the Living Word Virtual Church Community page